there were several of us sitting around the dinner table talking about several years ago and also recently of being in our psychology classes on when when in your psychology class they, they talk about you being able to influence people and being able to change the who they are and what they're doing without doing anything and my daughter started ex, uh, telling us about the experiment that they did in her class two years previous and they'd gone into their psychology class and, and and they went into the cafeteria there at york college and the class sat in different areas of the cafeteria to observe this and one of the things that they did this young lady volunteered to say i'll do that experiment and the experiment was this in our cafeteria, it's kind of built like a, a Chili's. You know, it's, it's redecorated. It was re, remodeled a few years back. It kind of looks like a Chili's with, with uh, you know, booths and things. And in one corner, there's like a little living area with a big screen TV, some couches, and just so kids can feel like home when they're, when they're sitting and eating, you know, breakfast, lunch, or dinner. And it was during March Madness. Now, if you guys don't know what March Madness is, there's something wrong with you. March Madness... Is during the NCAA Division I basketball series. And it's all the million basketball games that happened in that one month to pick the champion. And it was during uh, the, th- this, these weeks of all these games going on when there's 30 or 40 guys during lunch watching these games. And this young lady said this, I'll do that experiment. I'll walk in and just bother them. And so this young lady who was a little awkward anyways, and she knew it. She goes, I'll do that. So she walks in. She waits for everyone to get in place. She waits for them to get in the midst of this game. And she walks in with amongst many guys in this one little area. She walks in, looks at them on the couch, and kind of sits on top of them almost and starts to scoot herself in. They all kind of scoot over. One of them even gets up and sits on the armchair of the couch, and they kind of stare at her. And she doesn't say a word. She just continues to watch television. And they just stare and stare. And then finally they get back into watching the game because she's interested in the game. And they just keep going on. And they don't do anything. And the teacher's there just to make sure they don't kill her. And the other kids are sitting there taking notes. And then all of a sudden, that wasn't the end of the experiment. She waits for them to get back into the game in about five or ten minutes And then she reaches over, grabs the remote, and turns it to a Disney channel, I think Dora the Explorer, (laughs) and starts to watch, and doesn't give the remote back, and just sits there and watches Dora the Explorer. How many of you guys know who Dora the Explorer is? I thought I would never get to know who the Dora the Explorer is, but I do now. And it's wonderful. And they're all just staring at her. In awe, in shock, and everybody's taking notes. The teacher finally had to walk in and tell them what was going on. There was just an experiment. Because one of these young men, it wasn't going to hurt her or anything, I don't think. But my daughter says, he got up and just stared at her like this. And never said a word, just stared at her. And she just handed him the remote, got up, and walked away. They didn't do anything. Have you ever walked into an elevator? Do you know that there's elevator etiquette? You're supposed to push the button. Door opens up. You walk in, and what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to turn around and stare at the door. Well, how about going into an elevator one time when people in it, push the button, open the door, and just stare at them all? 
It panics people. <laughs> or wait till everybody gets out, go into an elevator, and don't stare at the door. By yourself, stare at the wall. And wait for the door to open up. 90% of the time, nobody will walk in. Even if you say, hello, come on in, how's it going? They'll just stare at you. Back your head and go, no, it's all right, I'll take the next one. And they'll walk out. Do you know there's proper etiquette to tell a stranger hello? You're walking. You have that eye contact. And there's that certain time when they get close enough to you that you can acknowledge them and say hello, and you walk past, and that's all you have to do. Try this. Say hello way too soon. Hi. They say hi back. Then it's that awkwardness. You're still coming at each other, and you don't know what to say. We can affect people. If you think that you cannot, if you think you're walking around by yourself, and you don't affect people, there is really something wrong with you. Because we can And God knows that. God knows that in just the simpleness of who you are, you can cause change in people. Tonight's lesson is how do I make the change in others? We can affect and we do affect people. We do it all the time. We can do it on purpose or we can do it by accident. But we do affect people. In Romans chapter 1, Excuse me, Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Turn there in your Bibles. The Lord talks about how we can cause change in people. And we're going to talk about three things this evening. We've read this verse a hundred times. And it says this, just verses 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve God's will, his good, pleasing and perfect will. The very first thing that we want to look at is number one. Therefore, I urge you. You have to get the message that there's urgency behind what the writer is trying to get you to understand. The urgency. There's something going on with you. I urge you to pay attention. That is the first thing. We need to understand and come to the conclusion that, yes, I can affect change in people. And there's an urgency behind it. We've all been affected by the tragedies that happened in Oklahoma City. I was watching this thing unfold. And a day or two later, they started bringing up all these videos of of this horrible tornado that hit. And there was this, and I couldn't believe what they were doing. It was a dash cam of a police officer. And he's driving, and you can see the tornado in the front. And off to the side, he's driving over a bridge. And there's a group of people right there. Tornado is right in front of them. The sirens are going off. And they're watching it. And it's coming towards them. And he rolls down his window and he's screaming at him. He's going, get to shelter. Get on the ground. Get off the bridge. Get to safety. And all you hear in the background is, that is so cool. 
uh, my hands started sweating. And you could hear the urgency and the panic in this officer's voice as he's screaming to people to go take shelter. And they're just staring at this thing coming at them. We don't see sometimes the urgency. We hear the sirens. We see the danger. And we're still, eh, it's all right. No big deal. When it comes here, I can outrun it. I can run 50 miles an hour. No big deal. Yes, the winds are about 150 to 300 miles an hour, but that's okay. I'm strong enough. I can do this. Last year, I was at a conference where these two ladies talked about the tornado that hit Joplin, Missouri. And they were there as first responders to, to, to get on the Internet and do things where colleges could do things and help out in tragedies. And they said this, that I was just amazed by what happened. They said from nothing to this tornado, F5, hitting the ground, was 10 seconds. From nothing to hitting the ground, 10 seconds. From it moving and hitting 55 miles an hour or so, being sometimes 10 miles wide and 8 to 10 miles long, was another 10 seconds. 20 to 30 seconds from nothing to tornado, F5. That's why people lost their lives. They had 30 seconds to take shelter. And some of them got out to watch it. I urge you. Something's going on in your life right now. And the writer is telling us God's word. Pay attention to me. I urge you to do this. Well, what's the this? To the life that is this. A dead life. To live a sacrificial life. I urge you to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Well, how do we do that? We've been talking about it all week. I'm just going to give you one thing. It may or may not help. We need to be people that are willing to think of things to do instead of waiting to do things. The second, the next day, the following day, when all of this tragedy happened, Tony Roseberry, a good friend of mine from Dallas, Texas, gave me a call. He only wanted to know two things. I answered the phone. He said, he said, Willie, this is Tony. Answer me two things. Number one, are your kids okay? I said, yes. He said, second thing is, I got a group of guys ready to go. Tell me what to do. He didn't wait for somebody to call him. He said, I'm already ready. I've already done it. Tell me what to do. We need to make ourselves not available to serve. We need to go out there and find things to do so we can serve. We need to give our best, not our leftovers. We need to give who we are right now and become servants not just serve. And we talked about that yesterday. God does not want us to serve. He wants us to become servants. He does not want us to wait once a year to come and serve. Or wait 
until it's time for the church to do a service project and then we give of our leftovers. He wants us to be the kind of people that know what it is to be a servant of God every single solitary moment of the day. We become people that know what it's like to give and to give our lives to one another. God is telling us also not to conform, but be transformed in one way. And that's think about it every day. By the renewing of your mind. Your mind can make you do all kinds of things. And you need to convince yourself every day that you can be somebody different. Your mental thought every day. And he doesn't talk about doing it once a week, once a month. He says every day. Some of us don't look at ourselves in the areas that we need change for weeks, months, or even years. And by that time, we finally look at ourselves and say, there's something wrong with me. It's so much harder to change. God is telling us to do this on a daily basis. To look at our lives and say, here's where I have to change. Here's an area that I'm headed the wrong direction. Here's an area that's being affected by the world, and I need to stop it, and I need to change it, and I need help. And he says to do it daily, not to wait. Some of us are waiting. We wait for months and years to fix that relationship with our daughter, or our wife, or our friend, or our church. And it is possible But it's so much harder. Do it daily. So that you don't get affected by the world. Because God knows that you will. Pay attention. Listen to the urgency. Give your life every day. But mentally look at your life every day. And think about the areas that you need to change. Do not conform to the world. But rather, mentally, look at what you need to do every day to change. Romans chapter 12, verse 3 through 8 says this. For the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment, in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each and every one of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, So in Christ we, though many, from one body, and here's the one I want you to listen to. Each member belongs to the other. In order for you to change other people, you have to be a humbled person. And the way to do it is to understand that I belong to somebody else. I just don't belong to my wife. I do in the covenant that we've had. A contract says, you belong to me. But a covenant says, I give myself to you. And there's a big difference. And God makes a covenant to us. Not a contract. He gave himself to us. We must make a covenant to each other and to this church. And we say, we belong to each other. That is how we become humbled people. Because when we do that, I understand that I do not belong to myself. 
and I hope this comes out okay, but you own me. Because I made a covenant with you that you are not mine. It's a covenant that says, I give myself to you. And that's when we become children of God. Humbled children of God. We change the world and we change and make effect in people when we truly become humbled. And when we understand that we do not belong to ourselves, that we give ourselves to others. Because they are the ownership of my heart and my mind. Then that's when we can truly know where we are. That others are first and we are humbled to them. We become what God truly wants us to be. People that serve with a humbled heart. And we make a covenant to give ourselves to other people. Not just once a year. Because that doesn't cut it. Every day. It was about two and a half years that my wife and I had been married. And I was doing what all good husbands do. I was watching television. She walks into our apartment and says, Honey, put the remote down. I have some news. We need to talk. And she says, I'm pregnant. We're going to have a baby. And I'm like, No, no, we need to talk. No, we don't. We need to dance. This is awesome. She goes, No, we really need to talk. So we talked about it, and she told me about this thing called Lamaze. I never heard of Lamaze until that day. I thought I would get to do what other fathers get to do, and that is go sit in the waiting room. Doctor comes out, hey, you have a boy, everything's great, and have a great time. No, <laughs> that's not what Lamaze is. It's the French word that means it's really, really, really going to hurt. Because you go into Lamaze and you learn to breathe so that it doesn't hurt. That does not work at all. Just letting you know. So we went through these Lamaze classes. Everything was great. One day she walked in and said, honey, I think it's time. Let's go. Literally, we threw her in the back of this little tiny station wagon. Just chucked her in the back. Got in, drove her to the hospital. We were living in Edmond, Oklahoma. We went to Edmond Memorial. We were there. The next day was a Nebraska-Oklahoma game. And I've been a Nebraska fan since I can remember. And the doctor was an Oklahoma fan. And in the midst of all of this going on, her breathing, the Lamaze thing happening, <clears throat> he decides to say, Miss Sanchez, you need to hurry up because the game's in a few hours. I, dumb me, decided to join in and say, yeah, honey, you need to hurry up. <clears throat> My wife sat up and gave me a look like that little girl on The Exorcist. <laughs> and did something like this. <laughs> Just kidding, hon. Just kidding. So we went through all of that, calming her down. The doctor calmed himself down. A few hours later, my son was born. One of the greatest days of my life. Sat there and watched Nebraska, Oklahoma, with my son in a little red outfit, football on his head. It was great. 
I think Nebraska lost that day. I didn't care. It was a great day. About two years later, I'm watching TV again. Wife comes in and says, put the remote down. We need to talk. <clears throat> I think we're pregnant again. It was wonderful. Went through the Lamaze. Came the day to have our little girl. We have a little boy. I wanted a little girl now. As things were happening, and you get used to things, we had now, at that moment, had moved to Bakersfield, California, and we were having our children in these birthing center type of things. And it's the birthing centers are, it's kind of like a living room slash bedroom kind of thing. And the same like chair that your wife sits in kind of transforms into a bed, birthing bed when it's time. You know, and it was more relaxing. It was more this, it was more that. And it was for me, I ordered a pizza, literally showed up. <laughs> I did, that's my wife. And she said, who ordered pizza? I don't know, honey. I have no idea. <laughs> Paid the guy outside. It came time. Doctor showed up. He says, hey, you want to do this? And I literally said, do I have to pay you? He goes, yes, you do. <laughs> but do you want to do this? It's really cool. So I went, sure. So he, w- he was there, and he was helping me. And he said, okay, put your, your hand underneath your head. And when your shoulders come out, just kind of put, put your your other hand right underneath her shoulder and, and just pick her whole little body up. And about that happening, he kind of stopped, grabbed my hand and kind of pushed me off because as soon as my daughter's head came out, she was a purplish blue. And she wasn't breathing. And he noticed that there was something wrong and pushed me aside. And as she came out and they asked my wife to push again, we saw what was going on. And the umbilical cord had wrapped around her neck. And my little girl was dead. They took her right away. He, he must have said something that, that meant something to the nurses because immediately a couple other people came in to, to take care of, of my wife. Uh, a couple other nurses went with him to this little table. They started working on my little girl. My wife started asking what was going on, and she kept saying, bring her to me. Bring me my baby. What's going on? My feet felt so heavy. I couldn't move. My throat felt like it was in my stomach. I couldn't breathe. And she said, bring her to me, and I couldn't. It seemed like forever. But a few minutes later, The doctor grabs her little foot and goes. And I went, hey. And he grabbed her foot again. Stop that. Don't do that again. And he said, Ms. Sanchez, just stay back. And he grabbed her foot a third time. Her tiny little foot's only about this big. And he goes. And I went. You better knock it off. And I started walking towards him. And the second that I did, you know that sound that little kids make right before they scream their head off? And it's silent, but you can hear it. It's like... And then it's a few seconds of... And then she let it out. The biggest scream I've ever heard in my life. It was awesome. 
It was the greatest sound. And in my head, I'm going, scream, girl. You scream your head off. And I picked her up, and I gave her to my wife. And she just screamed and screamed till Mama calmed her down. I got tired of the screaming later. <laughs> but that day, it was the greatest sound I've ever heard. Some of us walk through life not knowing this. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 through 16 says this, But thanks be to God, who always leads us as captives in Christ's triumphal procession, and uses us to spread the aroma of the knowledge of him to everyone. For we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. To the one, we are an aroma that brings death. To the other, we are an aroma that brings life. From the day that we were born, God does not want you to be somebody. He wants you to become somebody. He wants you to become the aroma of Christ that brings life to people. The only way you're going to change someone's life, if you can bring change to people, and the only way you can do that if you become the aroma of Christ that brings that breath into their life. Some people walk into other people's lives and they suck the life out of them, don't they? You know of some people that come into your life and you're so mentally exhausted, spiritually exhausted, even physically exhausted. Maybe you're one of those people. And God wants you to be the person that brings life to people. He wants you to bring Christ into other people's lives so when they, you walk away from them, they can breathe better. Life is better because you brought them Jesus. And you became the aroma of Christ. You didn't just be you. God wants you to bring them Jesus. The aroma of Christ to their life that gives them life. It gives people the ability to hang on when they want to let go. It brings the ability for people to change when they look at their lives and they don't like who they are. It brings them the ability to see themselves as who they want to become. You can and have the ability to affect people. Listen to that urgency. Transform yourself every day by looking at your own self through your own thought process and say, what can I do to change my life in this way? Today, instead of waiting, humble yourself by understanding that you have made a covenant to this church and to each other, that you belong and you give yourself to them, and you will be a more humbled person. And understand the last thing. 
that you are the breath of life to those that are dying if you bring them Jesus. You become the aroma of Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for every opportunity that you give us to be a better example every day. Lord, give us the ability to look with wisdom of what we need to do to change. Lord, give us a heart that is strong so we can make those changes. Lord, give us forgiveness when we mess up. Lord, give us the ability to see the urgency that is before us. To be godly people. So not only that we can change, but we can change others because we brought them you. Lord, it's through your son we pray and we live every day. Amen.